And so we wanted to touch on different financing alternatives to help manage your business or organization through, through these challenging times. So today we're gonna to walk through just the introduction of where, where the current state of the capital markets are, going through some of the government programs and resources available. And, and those are changing you know, even hourly, uh, definitely daily, uh, especially over the last uh, two weeks. And then kind of walking through some of the non-government alternatives that are available and uh, finishing up uh, overview and, and having some questions. So I appreciate everybody joining us uh, from around the country today. As, uh, as Catherine mentioned, uh, Boutique uh, Healthcare Investment Bank, focusing small middle market providers and service companies, we are working nationally with, uh, uh, I think a lot of the listeners, uh, hospitals, nursing homes, senior housing, as well as a lot of revenue cycle and, and billing. We're based in Columbus, but work, uh, work nationally. As, as we begin and touch on, you know, cash flow is king. Cash is very important. And the volatility this past month in, in March, since really uh, seeing the, the kickoff, and we, we saw it here in, in Columbus with the uh, governor uh, taking, a, I think, an early lead in, in the country by shutting down one of the, the bigger events, the Arnold Fitness Expo, 1st of March. And that was a really a, a dramatic kickoff where internationally over 200,000 people traveled to Columbus for this Fitness Expo show. And uh, that ultimately, uh, uh, it was very challenging for businesses that had already uh, making the uh, the trek to Columbus, but I think it was a smart move looking in, in hindsight sight to that. And as we uh, see uh, Ohio, uh, you know, trying to uh, stave off the the challenges many other states are, are seeing with with uh, overload in in the hospitals and systems, and this fear of of the spike and uh, availability of beds and, and supplies uh, across, it's been it's been a, almost a free for all to try to make sure that you're prepared, the hospitals are prepared, and you have a good plan in in place. Um, with that being said, a lot of the uh, imposed uh, uh, government sanctions on uh, re reducing operations and forcing an outlook uh, uncertainty to not only the economic and, and business, but you know, many healthcare businesses. And we're seeing that within you know, the not-for-profit with several of the rating agencies uh, dropping from stable to negative on the, uh, the outlook. Uh, obviously, your business is shut down or concerned about future uh, billings, uh, cash, you know, cash in the next 90 to 120 days, very concerning as uh, operations many are are really uh, focused on on elective surgeries and with that with that really being eliminated a lot of concern over how to pay the bills in, in the near term um, as we get into then uh, talking about some of the the credit concerns then of that and and what that means for uh, the lenders and we're seeing a pullback uh, by by many that the uncertainty they want to have a wait and and hold approach to to lending, maybe they're good quality uh, clients right now. Uh, continue to lend to, and we'll get into a little bit of that. But we've been we've been talking to to our clients about trying to, you know, get their lines of credit uh, and get working capital available. Uh, we're definitely seeing a run on uh, the municipal bond uh, bond funds, uh, working capital lines, uh, really the stock market. Obviously, we've seen a a big drop as well. 
And so uh, I want to turn it over to Dave to kind of talk a little bit more about the details, some of the capital markets and what we're seeing. Well, thanks, Neil. Can you move the next slide? Thanks. Uh, you know, as Neil mentioned, things are, are very fluid right now. This, uh, this particular graph, I think, illustrates uh, a little bit about where things have been. These two indexes, the, the SIFMA is a, is a track of variable rate municipal bonds versus the LIBOR, which for, for short is a track of the um, you know, sort of taxable rates and taxable indexes. The, you know, as you can see, you know, right there around the, the 1st of March, we had a giant spike in the SIFMA where, you know, people started really looking at the uncertainties around what's going on with, with the virus. And, you know, I think that the reality of some of those impacts were starting to hit some folks. And, you know, as you can see, the next, you know, over the last week or so, that's come back down, um, you know, into a more manageable uh, area as I think the timing of, of some things are starting to, to really hit people. And, you know, maybe the, 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 the total level of uncertainty has dropped. And I think that's, that's really what you're looking at in that giant spike right there is, is it's sort of a, a measure of market uncertainty. And also, you know, when, when we see uncertain markets, you know, you see credit officers getting very, very nervous about their lending and who they're lending to and how they're, they're lending their money. And so, you know, what, what generally happens is we, we get an immediate tightening in the credit markets, which you, can, which, which you see is re referenced here in this graph. And then, you know, as people sort of get a handle on things, you know, the, the, the purse strings sort of loosen up a little bit. Uh, but as you can see, they're they're not back to to normal. The the index is still what we would call inverted. That blue line really should be below the gray line uh, in most of these situations. So, with with that, why don't you move to the next slide, Neil? And we can uh, talk a little bit about yeah, what's going on. Note, note on there, obviously, with credit tightening, uh, lack of liquidity, and so therefore the the rate spiking and and seeing some of those auction rate bonds again get repriced where there's no buyers out there and the rate spike to the maximum amount of 10 or 12% from maybe low single digits and that could be very concerning for those borrowing uh, large amounts some of the hospitals maybe out there yep. uh, this is a, a just briefly is is a a juxtaposition of the U.S. prime rate versus the 10-year Treasury, and I think this this brings things a little bit closer to home. Those of you who have a, a, a long-term fixed-rate mor mortgage, most most U.S. mortgage rates are based off of the 10-year index on U.S. government bonds. So, the you know you you generally are, are looking for a, a low a low 10-year rate, but if you look here, the the prime rate is held steady for quite some time. We were slowly building back up to some historical norms. The Fed was, you know, as you may recall, had been uh, slowly ratcheting those up in order to give them a little bit of breathing room in case something were to happen in the in the credit markets. And well, guess what? There, there, you can see the Fed rate, the the federal funds rate coming down, the prime rate coming down, um, and you know, as you can see, also the the flight to quality is what we what we call that 
with a 10-year, that, that yellow line taking a, a significant dip there at the, at the end of the graph, really um, you know, reflects a couple of things. It, it shows that a lot of uh, larger investors are moving out of uh, equities and moving into bonds. And what, you know, this is you know, very typical supply and demand behavior where you know we've got a lot of buyers and not very much well not as much product a consistent a, a consistent supply which then makes the yield on that supply go down so another way to say that would be just you know people are willing to take less in return in order to to have a guaranteed return and in this this graph is a shows the the dow jones and what's happened with the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average over the last uh, four months. It's been a bit of a rocky ride. Um, and and on, so on this one, we've, we've added the, the VIX, which is a, a volatility measure and shows the, the, the differential in the bid ask price for different securities. Um, in this case, it's indexed to the Dow. And you know, as you can see, it's almost a mirror image of the the value of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And, and again, what this shows is as that VIX goes up, you know, it's, it, it's another measure of uncertainty. It's people not knowing how to value the future of various stocks. And it, it, it's concerning that, you know, the, the, the higher the volatility, the, the more uncertainty you see in the market. And as you can see that in that steady downward tick in the market, um, you know, that, that really shows where, where people were as of, you know, two weeks ago or three weeks ago. You know, fortunately for us, it started to come back a little bit as people are starting to, to get a better handle on what's happening in, in, in the overall economy, but also more particularly in the healthcare sector in, in really kind of understanding what the long haul uh, you know for the for the country is in in terms of the the covid nineteen uh, sequestration or or social distancing, however you want to put that, you know, and really trying to understand what those um, what the implications are of you know having the workforce basically you know at home or working from home for for three to four months. I will um, note in there, I, I think the vix, which touched, uh, just over 80 this uh, recent past yeah. during the 2008-9 uh, um, recession that it really peaked at I think no more than 60 and so just to give a reference point of where it is today and uh, where it was you know, about 10-12 uh, years ago. Uh, yeah and, and and just to understand that that it's, it's unprecedented really um, in, in terms of volatility and you know, uh, uh, just sort of the uns uncertainty factor of, of, of what this means. So as many, many providers are now coming to this, what we call fiscal cliff, a reduction of services, your receivables that you build out, uh, December, January, February now are, are collecting out and going forward, it's uncertain or very limited to what you've been building out in February and March. And so with that, you know, planning, scheduling, making sure that uh, you're altering your, your business model as long as you're a uh, uh, critical essential 
provider or moving to or seeing a lot of cases the telehealth which is at least some some generation of revenue servicing your uh, clients and, and patients but obviously not getting facility charges and and doing a lot of the higher revenue uh, services uh, the next six weeks are still very unknown uh, the government forced uh, shutdowns i believe now every state has uh, essentially put a a um, stay in place order um, concerns about further breakouts uh, at some point uh, everything that we're seeing in the weekend has been positive this past week with flattening of the curve but there's still uh, a couple of these breakouts that are in, in Detroit uh, I think even Milwaukee of course uh, Louisiana some of these other markets that uh, they they seem to have them slightly under under control but still some un, unknown there and everybody wants to know when when can we uh, get back to work? When can we open up? Um, and that's that's a big question uh, yet uh, as of today. A lot of debate over that. Uh, still seeing you know great support by a lot of companies out there helping do what they can to, to source material to help pr produce it as best uh, best they can to, to the quality that's necessary for those on on the front line and and the patients out there. Um, you know shortages of of the staff you know a lot of the physicians and, and nurses that are putting their lives you know out uh, every day and you know it's it's unfortunate uh, when when uh, those that are um, stepping up and, and doing that uh, have uh, have lost their lives and uh, you know we thank them for that uh, but we you know, we are fighting this and and making the turn and so as a business, you need to kind of keep an eye on those indicators, uh, consider looking at your 2020 budget, revisiting that, and as we'll see in a minute, uh, consider even looking out to 2021. Um, as cash is tight, uh, there's what we call the 13-week cash flow, looking out uh, weekly on all of your uh, revenue and expenses so that you can manage down to essentially the, uh, the dollar. And then according, make sure you, you staff accordingly. And we'll talk about some of the programs and and uh, the plan of whether to keep some of the staff on there, paying them with, uh, for example, the, the PPP uh, grant funding uh, and making sure that you uh, are managing your cash and, and still managing the business, which can be very challenging, difficult. Uh, but running, running into that uh, conversation, Dave, you want to talk about the chart here? Uh, yeah, well, we're, we're calling this the roller coaster. Um, you know, we, we stole... In all credit where it's due, we stole this from Morgan Stanley, but I think it's a very nice illustration of really what what to expect going forward, uh, you know, with the waves of infection and it, it, as well as, as looking at from a financial standpoint, you know, how, how do we prepare or how, how do we get through this one and how do we prepare for the next wave? And, I you know, looking at it, just at a high level, um, you know, we're sort of in the middle of this peaking right now, and you know, th now through through mid-May, and then as things come back down, you know, hopefully, you know, and I, I'm I'm not in a position. We're finance guys. I'm not going to try to speak to you know antiviral test results or you know testing capacity or any of that stuff. That's not our our ballywick. But understanding largely what what this graph means from a, from a financing standpoint is, you know, we need to pre prepare for a bit of an extended term of 
people not working and, and lower and, and lowered revenues, whether whether you're a physician's office, a dental practice, a you know, even to a certain extent, home hospice, health, you know, home health. I mean, we need to be ready to to dig in a little bit for the long term here. And and you know, really if you kind of look at the graph, they're they're suggesting June as a as a as a um time to get back into um sort of more normal operations well you know what does that mean how do i how do i plan uh you know my cash outlays who do i pay who don't i pay those are questions that we really need to start asking ourselves as healthcare finance professionals in terms of you know the the revenue the revenue piece of this is going to be largely fixed for a while um, you know, hopefully, again, you know, come June, we can restart the machine here a little bit and, and really, you know, get back to business as usual. Um, and as you look, though, you were, we're seeing the second hump coming in the fall once the kids go back to school. And, you know, that's that's something we need to, to be prepared for. And what they don't show is, you know, again, if 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 we do not have a, a viable vaccine, we might be looking at another hump, you know, com coming coming again and again so this is you know why we call it the roller coaster it's it's really like like your traditional roller coaster you come out of the gate you kind of crank up that hill and then you go shooting down and then you know you hit a couple more bumps before you come back to the station and you're allowed to get off um you know i think we'd all really like to get off this ride as soon as we can um but you know as you can yeah. see this, this this may be a a you know well and i think is likely to be a mid 2021 um you know time frame before we can get off of this thing that, that's a little scary to think dave and but i just don't I, I kind of agree i think june is tough uh you know i think we need to get maybe the economy open a little sooner to some extent uh you know cautiously optimistic that that's the case to a certain degree but i i don't see the the travel coming back that quickly with the risk still out there i don't see families wanting to take the kids and going to Disney World this summer after their retirement account just took a hit and they may or may not be be uh, fully employed. Um, yeah. And yeah. a lot of, a lot uh, again, of uncertainty. Still. Well, yeah, that's, that's you know, I, I don't disagree with you, Neil. I think that, you know, consumer behavior um, is is going to change for the near term at least, you know, and until until we get a handle on this, I, you know, I suspect that you're going to see a large, you know, a large hesitation on the part of most consumers in the area of, um, you know, discretionary spending on travel, on on leisure activities, on, uh, you know, any any of the sort of discretionary income pieces that uh, that that we would typically see a lot of marginal revenue on. The other the other thing is, you know, the the question is with all with you know historic unemployment right now, you know what do, what does that mean for healthcare providers? You know, what is the last number I saw was somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 million people have lost their jobs, and and also their health insurance um, yes. in related in relation to this. And and I'm not I don't want to get political about it, but I think that is going to have a significant uh, impact on you know physician practices, dental practices, you know with with 10 million people without without healthcare benefits right now that's going to be those, those uh, elective surgeries that everybody's hoping that'll all, all of a sudden bounce back and be extra busy and add extra days that 
know, if you don't have insurance, you may want to put those off to help yeah. uh, wait until you're you're employed again. So that's yeah. that's a good point. So as we talk about again, you know, trying to manage trying to manage potential uncertainty of this roller coaster, you know, cash is is key. Staying liquid, you know, planning. We've had clients uh, starting to receive money and just making sure working through with them that you know it's prudent not to go ahead and and spend that money you know we need to plan it out and and be disciplined um, talk to your bank uh, your lender you know, you're probably in default or will be here shortly and uh, with that having that conversation you know extending the lines of credit or at least working through knowing that that the cash should be be available and uh, try to get as much as, as possible well and i think you know uh, that was a Point to step and talk about that. I mean, even if you're paying, even if you're still paying on on whatever debt you have, uh, you know, we're really talking about covenant defaults here, and and you know, sort of most most commercial lending documents have, you know, some type of of, of debt service cover requirement or uh, days cash on hand requirement for for hospitals and other healthcare providers. I suspect, you know, those of you who've received you know, your advanced Medicaid funding or um, some of the other programs we'll talk about may may be okay for a little while. But I, 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 again, I do think you need to really, now is the time to have those discussions with your lender to, to, to talk about what happens in the event that, you know, we, we start, you know, breaking some of those covenants. Because again, I don't know that there's there's a whole lot that you as a provider can do at this point you know, you, everyone I've talked to anyway is doing everything that they can in order to to generate revenue, whether it's implementing telemedicine to a much larger extent than they have, or, you know, streamlining operations, trying to, to go, um, you know, as much, uh, you know, using utilizing staff as efficiently as possible in all of those sorts of back-end pieces. But at some point, we expect that the majority of at least mid-sized to smaller op, you know hospital operators will end up in a in a in a covenant default situation the math the math that we've run just indicates that 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 seems to be the case as soon as as soon as billings run out we've we're about 30 days from um, you know the last time most most folks have been operating at full capacity and especially those guys who were you know, working with seven to ten days cash on hand already, uh, you know, are, are likely to to start seeing some some covenant defaults. I, I would be surprised if your lender or you know bond trustee or, or whoever is is controlling that debt really you know does much about it. I think though it it is something you need to be aware of. Um, you know, I don't think any lender at this point really wants to be you know on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. You know, for trying to foreclose on a hospital working through COVID cases, but on the same token, it 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 is the time to talk to those guys about the situation you're in, so that we can create some some constructive progress, and and, and everybody's clear on how that's going to be handled. And anyway, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, Neil. I apologize. No, and, and no, that's a good point. But at the end of the day, you know, the bank's dealing with a lot of situations. They know everybody's in it, and so there is kind of that 90 day but that you know they will give you time as long as you're showing that you're properly putting a plan together working to try to get 
uh, manage the business and, and get the funding uh, to get through. But you need to collect your receivables and manage your, your vendors and payables, uh, work on negotiating, extending out. I mean, we saw in mid-March uh, with a developer client with several physician groups that physician groups already told them they were not going to pay the April April rent. And so being very proactive with some of the larger groups uh, and you know, medical supplies, seeing the costs go up, the availability to even get them. Uh, and then, you know, on the employee side, very difficult decisions to, to furlough or let uh, let go. Uh, many maybe were the temporary or, or frontline, uh, but the management teams and other critical uh, employees were seeing pay cuts or uh, temporary furloughs. And even talking about physicians with with uh, fixed payment uh, arrangements that having that tough conversation going back to them and saying hey we need we need help we need you to work with us i know you know i know we we agreed on a fixed amount but you know we need to push that off a little bit maybe take a 20 30 percent cut for an interim period of time so we're definitely seeing that across the the board yeah so now that we've you know scared you <laughs> Uh, let's let's talk about what's happening. You know, ways ways that we can we can work with the new legislation that that Congress has has passed and and is now active um, in order to really um, you know find some ways to ameliorate these problems. Uh, you know, I think everyone is is now by now very familiar with the CARES Act, um, the the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. Also, um, you know, working from the bottom up on this slide. Um, also is, is, is out there. It, it is designed really to aid families and employees. And we'll talk about some of the pieces of that, as well as the Corona Preparedness and Response Supplemental Appropriations Act, um, which really, you know, I, I think is particularly helpful for, for hospitals and, and healthcare systems that are, are you know, need, need to implant, or excuse me, implement more telemedicine um, the, the emergency appropriations, I think, are, are largely in place on that $8.3 billion. I think the most of our, our, our discussion here will really focus on the CARES Act and what, um, you know, really, how, how do we utilize those funding sources uh, to, you know, to, to get through this situation. Um, the, the CARES Act, again, it's a $100 billion in uh, or 100 billion in public health and social emergency fund for hospitals and physicians. Uh, the the article link there is is from McGuire Woods. It's a it's a nice synopsis of what's happening um, there as of last week. Um, you know, on Friday, the uh, Department of Public Health and Human Services began distributing the first 30 million out of that fund. Um, I, I you know I think they they. Uh, we still have 70 billion to, to distribute. They're still working on all of the, the details of how that, that remaining 70 billion is going to come out. Um, those of you who, who do a fair amount of Medicare work should start seeing you know, money. If you haven't already seen it, you should start seeing it this week. Um, again, they were, they, the HHS used Medicare um, billing as a benchmark. Um, you know, for that, for this first 30 billion that's coming out, you should sort of see your pro rata share of that, uh, you know, anytime if you haven't already. Dave, it looks like it's about, there was some discussions, do they do a per bed? There was a little back and forth, but ultimately it's about 6% of what 2019 fee-for-service Medicare billing was. And then obviously 
you know, there's strings attached, of course. So they're sending you the money, but our understanding is then you have 30 days to go on and whether to accept that money or agree to return it and accept the, uh, the use of, of the funds. And mm -hmm. so go ahead and, and feel free to contact us or uh, look that up, uh, yeah. speak with Yeah, and, and again, that, that your accounting departments should have that stuff. It was direct, it's direct deposited directly into, into your Medicare account. Um, you know, that, that should be there. It's, it's a, and it, the nice thing about it is it, it's a, it's a relatively easy number to calculate when we're not, you know, you don't really have to guess too much about what that number should be. And that's, and again, as we mentioned, that's really just the first line of, of distribution there and, and is, is really geared toward primarily hospitals. As, as we move forward, I think, you know, indiv individual, um, you know, uh, practices and and those billings should see should be in the second wave of this going forward it's you know they're they're really looking to find other other ways to address things like pediatricians who who obviously aren't dealing with medicare um but but really also you know provide this vital service and how to you know how to distribute to to those sorts of folks uh you know stay tuned for for that i i do expect something to come out of by the end of the week um, on, on how that's going to happen. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. So uh, we'll go back. Move, <laughs> just moving on. I, I do want to just say, you know, as, as we move forward, you know, the 1 billion to the, the Defense Protection Act, you know, will hopefully at some point here in the near future um, address some of the PPE requirements that we've seen um, or the shortages that we've seen, the Medicare reimbursement increase. I think everyone's probably already familiar with that, but uh, you know, also very important. And then the the sequester um, situation and, and repealing the sequester is also um, a huge, hugely important, and will will help um, you know those of us who deal with people on on Medicaid on a regular basis. Um, you know that that will again hopefully ease ease some of the the pressure for for those of us serving lower income communities and and the elderly. So um, go ahead. So again, the the CMS accelerated and advanced payment programs. You know you, you should you guys you know those of you who who are are going to benefit from this. Most of our clients at this point, I, and I think all of them, I don't, I, <laughs> I am not positive, but I do, I, I'm fairly certain that that the vast majority of our clients have already received their um, their funds from this. One of the nice things uh, we've we've discovered is, you know, you don't really have to guess with this. Um, the Max already know what you're eligible for, and as you're filling out the registration forms. Um, you know, we've been advised from a, a couple of our clients that they will accept, you know, we'd like the maximum we're eligible for as the amount in the blank of the form. So, you, you know, you don't have to guess, you don't have to, you know, go back and, and try to, you know, guess how much. They have a lot of time trying to figure out, understand, and makes it easier just to fill in, you know, max amount requested. Yeah, yeah I, it was. We were part of a conversation with one of our clients. It was one of the most surreal conversations I've had in a while where, you know, their 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 payment process, their processor, you know, was like, yeah, we know. I'm not allowed to tell you, but we, we, we know how much you're eligible for. CMS told us, but we, we're not allowed to tell you. And so, you know, that that was a, a, a 
a, a little bit, you know, typical government at work there. But, um, you know, that, that process seems to have gone relatively smoothly, at least for, for, for the folks that we've been working with. Um, if, if you have been having issues, we'd like to hear about it just so that we, we get our finger on what's, what's happening on that side. But like I said, this program, the rollout of this, at least initially, seems to have been, uh, you know, fairly, fairly smooth. Um, we, we have heard through the grapevine that there, there may be some relief for smaller hospitals that, you know, may not be able to make the repayments quite on schedule. Um, I, the secretary came out, was it in the middle of last week, I think? And, and, you know, in talking to some, some industry folks seem to imply that, you know, we, we, we may be able to get a 30% a reduction in, in the required payback if we can show a certain level of financial distress. That, um, you know, that, that still, none of that is, has been put in writing that I'm aware of at this point, but there is some hope there for folks. Um, and I, I do think, I do think you should not be afraid to take this money, um, you know, based on the, the uh, you know, the repayment requirements there. It, it sounds to me that CMS and the, the rest of the government at this point, you know, seems to be very willing to work with providers, you know, at least on this program, to, to structure things so that, you know, either some portion of it may be forgiven or you know we can work through the the repayment provisions. I think that what is one percent? You, you know you, you have almost, it works out to be like eighteen months. Um, you know until you have to really have to pay it back. And once that um, you know once once we get there, I think the repayment interest rate's like one percent. So it sort of behooves you to you know hold off on that as long as you can. Um, again, a little just a, a little bit more information in regard to the advanced payments program. I think again, most most of us or most people on the line have already uh, processed a, a good portion of this. But if you haven't, there's there's uh, a little bit more information uh, to help you along there. Uh, you know, I included this slide just because I, I do like this uh, website. I think it's a nice, it's a great brief resource in terms of just having everything on one page. Um, there really isn't a whole lot of uh, additional information here. It, it's, it's all of the, the non-clinical stuff. It's billing, it's coding, it's, you know, certification. How do you, you know, how do you report all of this stuff? But it, it's a nice uh, resource on the, the, the nitty gritty of, of how you handle all the back end stuff with this. Um, so that's that's the, I like the picture of the uh, more uh, delighted, happy nurses than <laughs> some of the ones that we've been seeing after kind of going through war and uh, seeing a lot of those on the internet lately of, of what they're they're going through on very extended days and and just grueling uh, situations. And we have some family friends that are definitely frontline, seeing and uh, experiencing and, and helping out as, however best they they can. As, as some of these programs you may have applied for or looked at, the CARES Act, uh, the PPP is the big one that has had significant number of changes over the last, you know, two weeks since since it came out. Uh, obviously, this one is through 
the uh, SBA uh, lenders working with a, a bank, uh, some of the larger ones uh, may have some caps on it. Definitely seeing some of our clients uh, already getting getting funding in late last week that has been very uh, necessary to continue operations. Capped at 10 million, uh, roughly two and a half uh, uh, months uh, as you calculate through your, your payroll. Uh, capped off at uh, any employees that are uh, making 100,000, uh, no international uh, employees. Uh, they did cut the uh, 1099, and so no consultants. It is uh, uh, employees and some of the other benefits associated with that in terms of the calculation. Uh, it also be used for rent, uh, mortgage, as you see, uh, uh, some loan interest selectively, as well as utilities. And really the purpose of this, it, it is a loan, and then you can qualify uh, at it established the rate at what one percent uh over a couple of years uh, no payments i believe in my mind I, I think it's for the first uh, six months if not uh maybe moved it to to a year uh then you can apply also to have that converted to, into a grant and not repay it as long as the money's used for those purposes as you outline and so as we're having conversations with a lot of organizations that uh, are they going to continue to employ and use the money to have their employees, you know, big decision question mark that uh, needs to be made uh, between, do I take the money, uh, continue to pay employees maybe to sit on the sidelines or do I let them go uh, go to unemployment? Uh, obviously no personal guarantees and uh, you can pay that back, I believe with no, no penalties uh, at any time. You know, some of the questions that we've had come up are how does this affect maybe existing covenants that we have as we take these these loans. I think your bank is definitely going to work with you on through this because they would prefer not to to finance additional working capital today if they don't have to and if the government's coming in kind of behind it. And then if you're working with your bank to get these programs, they actually make a little bit of money on the other side. So it's kind of a win-win at the end of the day to uh, continue to work with with organizations through this roller coaster. Uh, also on there, we have the EIDL, uh, Economic uh, Injury Disaster Loans. Uh, there's the emergency grants, uh, $10,000, which can be applied then to the PPP, uh, seeing many, many customers and companies apply for both the EIDL and the PPP. Now the funding available, and I think processing, the amount of, of applications has just been unprecedented and i think to get through the system it could take it could take a while i'm concerned that you know it may be too late uh, for those to, to get through i've not heard of anybody yet that has received a eidl uh, loan but again we are seeing some of the ppp coming through at, at this time mm -hmm. uh, dave any any other comments maybe i'm missing on um i think really yeah, we, we've had a number of questions come through on the PPP in relation to uh, sort of leased employees or, um, you know, folks who use a POE, a, a payment uh, processing, third-party payment processing group. Um, on, you know, as you mentioned, the 1099 employees have been largely excluded, but um, in the count, you you can you can include employees covered under a POE, um, which I think you know sort of, sort of if you think about them as sort of leased employees, or you know folks who are uh, will will not not 
truly contract labor, but are, are sort of, um, you know, you're processing all of, all of that payroll via um, a POE, those, those folks are definitely includable. Um, and then all of that stuff is explained under the, the frequently asked questions. I think the, the SBA folks did a very nice job, um, you know, sort of anticipating some of these issues and, and clarifying it. I, I definitely would recommend if you're considering a PPP and haven't already submitted, you know, take a look at the frequently asked questions because it does clarify a whole host of, of issues that were, you know, until until this came out, you know, a week or so ago, were, were, were very up in the air and were not handled, um, you know, nobody had any answers to them. Um, so uh, switching over to the USDA for a few minutes, um, you know, unfortunately we haven't seen a whole lot coming out of USDA for, for those of us in the in the rural sector, um, they did they did publish in the Federal Register uh, last week uh, that they will allow payment deferrals on um, federally guaranteed loans for a period of up to 180 days, which is uh, nice. Um, now it doesn't forgive any of it, but you know it does does push it out a little bit so that we you know it, it allows us the, the cash that, that providers have to go a little bit farther. Um, and, you know, gives us a time, a little bit, of, a little more space to ramp up op operations and and get moving before uh, you know those those debt service uh, payments are triggered back in. Um, one of the other pieces I, I, I would like to just mention here is that the distance learning and telemedicine grants are also, I, I think, the application for that has expired already, and those this year's uh, grants are being determined. But this is a great way for um, low, you know, for, for for rural hospitals to really finance, um, you know, telemedicine extensions um, in in trying to to really, you know, find efficient ways and effective ways to serve the rural population. Um, it's a competitive program, but um, you know, well, and maybe maybe it's about to get a lot more competitive, I guess. But historically, it's it's it hasn't been quite as competitive as some of the others, and and this is really a nice uh, a nice way to invest. You know, it's it's a million dollars of of basically free cash to you know invest in those services. It does require a fifteen percent match of non-government money, but again, that's I think that's something that most most folks can figure out. Um, special considerations for municipally owned hospitals. We have several municipally owned clients. Um, you know, we're having some real difficulty with them, um, mostly because they don't, they, you know, as written, they do not qualify for EIDL loans, nor do they qualify under the PPP as stated. Um, we've, you know, with, with several lobbying groups and, and um, you know, Industry groups, we are pushing very hard to correct this. I think you know they they do fit under the general uh, auspice of the of the Enabling Act, but you know because of the SBA and and the way that the SBA is uh, focused on small business, they have they have written the the SBA regulations in such a way that municipally owned anything really um, doesn't qualify for SBA financing. Um, again, this uh, this is something we're, we're working toward with with some folks. Now is, would be the time to lobby your congressman um, to, to your congressperson to to push this forward to, to help our, our smaller hospitals. 
Um, additionally, there may be some relief under the CARES Act. Uh, as we discussed, the Federal Reserve and the, the Treasury you know, have $554 billion in emergency loans available. Um, you know, they're still working out some of the details, but, uh, you know, the Main Street um, lending and the uh, municipal liquidity facilities should be able to provide some of these municipally owned hospitals uh, with with some types of financing. Um, again, it, it kind of goes back to a lot of these guys operate on a, on a shoestring and on uh, a very short um, cash position. So the, the, the amount of, of aid available there, you know, may or may not be be worth doing for you. It's something, you, you know, you really need to contact your city and your financial advisors to, um, you know, check into this and see if this is something that's worth pursuing. Thanks, Dave. And, and so as we look at alternative funding solutions, aside from the government programs, uh, you got to think about lines of credit you know based on your assets that's the easiest way uh, as long as you can carve out maybe from bond covenants or other collateralized uh, the receivables that's uh, the easy way especially as you think about ramping the business back up you know many of our clients had normal bank lines uh, lower bank lines but that's not going to be sufficient as you're ramping up once once elective surgeries are, are allowed again uh, equipment loans and leases uh, we uh, recently funded a existing uh, equipment, carved that out, and was able to do a sale leaseback to provide some excess liquidity. Uh, as you look back, maybe even the past six months, possibly longer of anything you purchased with cash, that's still eligible uh, under many uh, lenders to uh, turn into a financing and put pull that cash back out, put it on, on the balance sheet. Uh, I will say on the, on the line of credits, uh, we did work with a hospital recently on putting together a specialized uh, financing for a single uh, a receivable payment that was potentially excessively large uh, from month to month. And so we were able to carve that out and help finance that as needed. Some months it was uh, maybe half a million, other months it was five million. So that could be very challenging to the, to the cash flow. So there's different ways to get creative, especially with the non-bank lenders. Now you're, you may pay a little more, uh, but but it's it's very limited and using it as a tool, especially now, you need to think about the uh, liquidity and, and have the, the cash available then an extra few points of, of interest for the interim period. Uh, Self-pay uh, receivables and, and bad debt. Uh, there's some, some good and bad characters out there, some quality organizations that you can finance those uh, self-pay receivables, something to think about. Uh, and then your real estate, uh, real estate portfolios of of medical office buildings, surgery centers, doing joint ventures, uh, leveraging up, uh, working with a hospital now on a, a senior living facility that they have available that we're looking to carve out and leverage that to uh, bring additional cash to the uh, organization today. Uh, much easier to finance a, a senior housing facility, medical office building or other than, than a hospital, uh, especially if you've had any uh, any challenging years or an outlook right right now uh, as a, a small community uh, facility. Uh, other other areas to think about: home health, uh, doing a joint venture or sale, uh, you know, physical therapy, other other service divisions, uh, even even your revenue cycle or, or the back office. You know, it's always very challenging to find and, and retain talent to uh, 
operate uh, billing and coding and collections. So that's an area where we can look to outsource and still retain many many of your employees, just be uh, trained and managed by an organization that has a lot more tools for that. And some of them will even consider to purchase or invest into that uh, that division. So happy to speak further about that. Um, you know, something coming up I think we're seeing concerns about is really the foundations and and uh, donations and events, uh, charity events. Uh, that's something to be uh, concerned about as the investments already have fallen with with the funds at, at the hospitals and some of the expectation of the income with low interest rates and investments that help subsidize uh, operation. Uh, turn it over to, to you, Dave. I know you work with a lot of organizations in, in that respect. Well, yeah, I think that, um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, we, we talked about this, the state of the Dow Jones, you know, the, the, the Dow Jones is really just a proxy for the, the stock market as a whole. But, you know, as, as we've seen, you know, broad, you know, just, wholesale reductions in in value you know the annuities and the the long-term um, investments by a lot of hospital foundations have really been undermined to a large extent uh, you know in the last three months we've we've seen you know a, a significant reduction in the workforce as well and so you know a lot of the people that would otherwise be giving in you know you know, I have no problem writing a check to, you know, to my my hospital charity for a thousand dollars. Well, you know, now I, I'm not so certain about what my next, you know, where my next paycheck's coming in. I, you know, I may cut that donation in half or, or if I give anything at all. And so I, I think that, um, you know, we're really seeing a lot more uh, hesitance, uh, hesitancy on the part of, of you know, you know, small and mid-sized donors. So, to the extent that you you uh, rely on those folks to to you know to to fund these things, you know, expect expect a reduction in in the next 12 months. The same thing, you know, as as economic capacity goes down, you know, city and county revenues will also be lower. So, anybody who is you know getting help from uh, their city or county or hospital district or other uh, you know other form of tax revenue. That's that's likely to to decrease in a significant way as well. Um, and we talked a little bit about um, you know where to get some other funds. You know, a lot of times, you know, my my background is is largely in you know in bonds of various sorts. People forget about you know they they've got these restricted funds on their books. You know, go back to your bond documents. And, and see what you you can use those funds for. They're they're there to be used as necessary. Um, you know, don't be afraid to tap them. That's what they're for. Um, especially you know debt service reserve funds, or uh, if you have a repair and replacement fund of of any sort. Um, you know now now is a great time to to, to raid those funds as uh, as available. Um, one of the other things we talked about a little while ago is. You know, see if you can get a, a county or city, uh, those of you that are municipally owned anyway, can get a county or city uh, limited guarantee on new financing. It um, doesn't have to necessarily be backed by uh, tax revenues. There are a number of ways that uh, we've, we've financed these things without, um, you know, direct pledges of, of tax revenue, which, you know, in, in most places require a vote. So if we can avoid that, we really really try to do that. Um, 
again, it really depends on your relationship with with the county or city before before we suggest uh, you know going that route. But it's it's worth thinking about. It, it, we really see a lot of creative situations working with maybe local banks, the, the city, county, and the hospital because in most situations, especially more the community uh, uh, facilities, you know, it's an important asset to the community. And working together to create a solution, especially during these times, is is important. So, you know, thinking outside the box and and putting putting a plan together, you know, everybody wants to get it done. And, and a lot of times it's just, you know, spending the time to to think outside the box for a solution. Mm -hmm. and, and again, I don't think we really need to spend too much time here. We've just in, included a, a matrix of all of the programs we we've discussed previously. Where, where we have applications or other you know, pieces that are, are relevant, we've tried to include that. Um, that This is just really here for your reference, should you, um, you know, it's all in one place. Thank you. So as we, as we finish up, I think we're uh, maybe just past time even. Uh, prepare, 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 be disciplined and uh, put together your, your cash flow as cash is king, manage that cash. Uh, and, and take advantage of the opportunities for government programs, working with the banks to borrow the money, strengthening the balance sheet for this uh, roller coaster ride that we're, we're all riding together. And so working with, with your vendors, you know, they understand, they should understand, and there's a lot of options out there right now through these challenging times. So thank you, appreciate uh, your time today. Everybody's busy uh, dealing uh, on many, many fronts. And uh, we thank you for your time to walk through some of these opportunities to help finance the organ or healthcare organization today.